0: Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. Turn to Romans chapter 5, please. Tonight, continuing on and thinking about our Savior... I want to talk about the federal headship of Jesus. Now, when I say federal headship, we all know what I'm talking about, right? Pretty much, generally. Yeah, everybody could write down a definition for me, hand them in, and I'd be able to read them back and we'd be edified. Clayton, send yours up. (laughs) Just kidding. So, So, the... Before we, uh, we read this passage, what is federal headship? Why, it, not why is it important, but what is federal headship? What is federalism? What is headship? What is representative? representative? Yeah, that's a word that we have to factor into this. Jesus, in some sense, represents a people. Um, as did, who else? Adam. Okay? So Adam was a federal head as well as Jesus being a federal head. Okay? So another, another word for, for federal headship would be representative headship. Um, our, what is our form of government? It's not democracy, okay? It's what? Okay, it's well, yeah, it's it's federalism, right? Or it should be. Right? It's representative government. We don't vote on issues. We we elect somebody who then represents us in Washington DC. We are there in Washington DC in Columbia. At the Spartanburg City Council, we're there by virtue of our representation there. Correct? Does that make sense? That is federalism. That is the um, that is the government that we have. One person acting on behalf of another. Now, um, in federal, the word, as I understand it, and as I was taught federalism or federal comes from the latin fetus, or fodus or something like that which means covenant right so so there the, the, the whole idea of i mean we reform folks like to talk about covenant theology right and that is a way of that is a way of speaking in part of it I'm just gonna wait. I know, I know. That is our way of, um, or that it, part of that it, is a, a way of speaking of federal headship, covenant theology. Now there are three types of headship. What? Th- see if we, I can coax these out of you. There are different types of headship. Any ideas about what those would be? Think about the the authority that you have over you. Don't do that to me. Fathers. Okay, so what kind of headship is that? By virtue of what does that come? Birth. Right? Birth, natural headship of fathers by virtue of you descended from their loins. Right? So there's a sense in which Adam is our natural head simply by virtue of the fact that we're all descended from him and he is the father of... Of all mankind, right? So that's a part of headship. But then there's also I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop asking questions. I'm gonna blaze through this. Um, there's moral and political headship, right? A king, a president and his people, a king and his realm, right? He he has. Uh, authority over them, and he represents them there. He, um, a king and his subjects. And then there's voluntar- voluntary sort of headships between friends, right? We just, someone leads, the others follow. Um, this was also, uh, Turretin said, the guilty and his substitute is also this kind of of headship, voluntary, Jesus being a substitute. Um, in, in place of the guilty. So our first federal head is Adam. Adam represented you. You, you can't disconnect from Adam. Because you were in Adam. Now we'll, we'll talk about why that is in a moment. But we have to accept the fact that as Adam went, so went all of us that's what we have to to be willing to accept and get our head around. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15:45, so also it is written the first man Adam became a living soul, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Right? So it's this contrast between Adam and Jesus is one that goes throughout scripture. Paul especially emphasizes it, right? And so 1 Corinthians 15:45 Adam is contrasted with Jesus, and it's important that you pick up the fact that Jesus is called the last Adam, right? By Jesus being called the last Adam, we learn something about the first Adam, right? Just as Jesus, we're united to Jesus and we're in him, so also, just like being in Jesus, we're in Adam, okay? Okay? We're connected to him inevitably. And then we get to Romans 5. And this is where it is very explicitly stated in Scripture. Romans five twelve, And we learn just what we got from Adam and just what we get from Jesus as our representative heads. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because of all sin, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who received the abundance of grace and the gift. And of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And I'll stop there. So there we see, we see our representative heads. And, I mean, if you, if you stop and think about this for a moment, we have two, two men vying for all of humanity, right? Two men, Adam and the second Adam, Jesus. And... Um, And it's very helpful to have that in mind as you consider the world, as you consider the world in which we live, right? The inevitable connection that everybody has to Adam, spiritually as well as physically, but spiritually, and we'll get to that in a moment. But here's here's what Burkoff, Burkoff is a uh, wrote a systematic theology, um, standard Reformed systematic theology, and he makes a point in this that I want to that I want to bring up when we consider the federal headship of Jesus. That sin, and he's talking about Adam's sin, carried permanent pollution with it. So when Adam sinned, it carried with it permanent pollution, and a pollution which, because of the solidarity of the human race, would affect not only Adam, but all his descendants as well. As a result of the fall... The father of the race could only pass on a depraved human nature to his offspring. So there's one thing. As the father of the race, what did he hand on? What did Burkhoff say? A depraved human nature, right? That that, uh, the flesh, right? We inherit a corrupt flesh. Why? Not because Adam was our representative had it, but that he was our natural head. He was our father. By virtue of being born from someone who had fallen, we too in the flesh are fallen. Okay, that's the natural headship of Adam. From that unholy source, sin flows on as an impure stream to all generations of men, polluting everyone and everything with which it comes in contact. It is exactly this state of things that made the question of Job so pertinent. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. Job 14.4. But even this is not all. And this is is important. So he's only discussed natural headship. Adam sinned not only as a father of the human race, but also as the representative head of, of all his descendants, and therefore the guilt of his sin is placed to their account. It's imputed to them. So that they are all liable to the punishment of death. It is primarily in that sense that Adam's sin is the sin of all. That is what Paul teaches us in Romans 5.12. Through one man, sin entered into the world, and death through sin... And so death passed to all men for, for that all sinned. The last words can only mean that they all sinned in Adam, in him, with him, in him, right? And sinned in such a way as to make them all liable to the punishment of death. So natural head, he's our father. We inherit a corrupted flesh. Representative head, what do we, what's imputed to us? No, representative head of Adam, what's imputed to us? His sin, but the guilt of that sin, right? It's the judgment of God saying, guilty, 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 all of you guilty, right? It's the guilt of sin. By virtue of Adam being a representative head, we inherit the judgment that God gave to him guilty right so his sin is imputed to us and we are declared guilty and jesus comes along and deals with both the pollution and the guilt of sin right we have to keep the difference between those two things there's the pollution of sin right that affects our flesh that affects our mind that affects our hearts and that that is in the flesh but then there's the guilt of sin right The judgment of God, that must be, must be, um, the judgment must be changed. And that comes in Christ too. So there are two senses in which Adam is our head. Natural, he's the father of the race. Federal, he represented us there. We were with Adam when he fell. Now... It's also important to point out that Adam was in covenant with God, right? There was a covenant at that point. The covenants didn't come along later. Um, There there are a lot of the um, stipulations, a lot of the things that we would expect from a covenant. But in Hosea 6-7, we learn this, that the Israelites are said to transgress the covenant like Adam, right? So Adam transgressed a covenant. And in transgressing a covenant that God laid out, he did so as a representative. He broke covenant with God as a representative public man. Augustine said, how many soever were to spring from that one, were one man in that one. Right, So everybody was there. Another thing that proves that Adam was a federal head or a representative head, the punishments for his sin. The right? Pun- punishments for his sin were, were delegated to all man- God, mankind. Right, they, they were delegated upon all. Genesis 3 and those curses. And then certainly death passed on from Adam through that sin. Now, here's another example of federal headship just to... Um, Show you that scripture has examples of that. This turned it and this is an obscure, an obscure thing. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7 gives the example of Abraham and Levi. And it's dealing with with tithes being paid to Melchizedek. And Levi is given credit for having tithes. But Levi wasn't around when Abraham was around. Right, so how did Levi get credit for tithing to Melchizedek? Well, because he descended from Abraham, and Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Right? So Hebrews seven, eight through ten. In this case, mortal men receive tithes, but in that case one receives them of whom it is witness that he lives on, and so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi who received tithes paid tithes, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So there's a, a minor example of this this idea of, of headship being applied to to Levi through Abraham. But back to uh, back to Adam. Larger Catechism number twenty two says, Did all mankind fall in the first transgression? And that's the big question, isn't it? Did all mankind fall? Was it just Adam? Was it just a subset of Adam? Was it the first generation? Or was it all mankind? And this is the answer that the catechism gives. The covenant being made with Adam as a public person. Not as a private person, not as a private covenant, but as a public, universal, out-in-the-open covenant. The covenant being made with Adam as a public person, not only for himself only, but for his posterity. That means his descendants. All mankind descending from him by ordinary generation sinned in him and fell with him in that first transgression. And this is where, this is where those little words like in and with become really important. We sinned in him. We fell with him. Okay, we were there, and we sinned in him. We participate. We we um, we uh, we inherit pollution. I mean that those little words are getting to the guilt and pollution distinction. The Westminster Confession of Faith six three says the same thing, although they they make mistake and attribute the fall of mankind to both Adam and Eve. Um, it was. It, Only Adam um, made the race fall. Adam was the representative. And so it says, they, it should read, he being the root of all mankind, the guilt of this sin was imputed. And the same death and sin and corrupted nature conveyed to all his posterity. Corrupted nature, imputed guilt, corrupted nature, Imputed guilt. Those two things. Heretics have denied this, right? Heretics have denied that this is the case. Uh, Pelagius, Pelagius, one of the early heretics, one of the one of the men that Augustine did battle with on this very topic. Pelagius, who believed what? You know what? What Pelagius believed about Adam in the fall—it only affected Adam. It just affected one man. I mean, think of that. Adam fell, but not all of mankind. He fell as a private person. He fell in his own, as a own, his own, on his own, uh, as as his own responsibility, right? Calvin. Calvin says this, we must surely hold that Adam was not only the progenitor, but as it were, you know, the father, the progenitor. We can't just hold that he's the progenitor, but as it were the root of human nature, and that therefore in his corruption mankind deserved to be vitiated. This the apostle makes clear from a comparison of Adam to Christ. As through one man sin came into the world, and through sin death, which spread among all men when all sinned, Thus, through Christ's grace, righteousness, and life are restored to us. What nonsense, Calvin says, will the Pelagians chatter here? That Adam's sin was propagated by imitation? That Adam's, that then does, and so what what Calvin's saying is, the only reason sin is passed on from Adam after his fall is that people imitated him. It wasn't a corruption of the nature. It wasn't a, an imputation of guilt. It's just that people saw Adam sinning and they decided to sin too. No corrupt nature, no guilt, no imputation, no nothing like that. Adam sinned, people saw it and imitated him. That was Pelagius' view. And then, And so Calvin goes goes on to think through the implications of that. Okay, if if Adam is not a federal head, then what are the consequences of that? If if we don't believe there are spiritual consequences that come to us via federal heads, then what's the implication? There's There's no salvation in Jesus because if Adam didn't represent us, then Jesus can't either. Okay? He says, then does Christ's righteousness benefit only as an example set before us to imitate? And how many people think that? That is not an uncommon view. That Jesus is just an example. Right? And, and of course, Calvin. Calvin goes on to speak in a way that I love. Who can bear such sacrilege? Now, think about, think, about the, think about Adam again. We're thinking about Adam. What is a modern disruption of this doctrine? What is a modern disruption of this doctrine of Adam as natural and federal head? Denial of the, Adam. the denial of the historical Adam. And what is the sort of impetus for that? Okay, and that cultural pressure comes from what area? Evolution. Okay, if you believe that there is no historical atom, if you believe that it's just descent from uh, in, an impersonal force like gravity and heat, um, building up the building blocks of, of the body... Then, then you've denied that this is a possibility at all, right? You've denied a historical Adam. Even if you posit some, and, and, and this is Covenant Seminary now. This is the PCA Seminary. Um, one of the professors there who, who teaches, uh, Old Testament professor, has said that we descended from a group of, of hominids, just a, a group of early hominids. Right? And so that's a step away from historical Adam, like one man that represents the entire race. Right? It's not a group of early hominids. Even making that change there, and you've, got, and you've lost representation. You've lost salvation. Okay, so the evolution and theistic evolution and these things destroy the doctrine of federal headship. You can't have it and deny that. Now, back to Romans 5, 12 through 19. Through Adam came what? Sin, death, judgment, condemnation, disobedience, corrupt flesh. Through through Jesus comes what? the opposite of all those things right the 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 corresponding good to all those things if if you are represented by him if you are united to Christ and in him right through Christ comes the gift of righteousness through Christ comes life through Christ comes grace through Christ comes justification through Christ comes obedience so all the things that adam Brought and imputed to us, Jesus imputes the things that correct that. So Jesus dealt. Now, remember, I talked about guilt and corruption, guilt and pollution, right? The sinful flesh plus the guilt, you're guilty. Jesus has to deal with both of those things, doesn't he? Right, and so Jesus dealt with both our corrupt nature by The corrupt nature that we inherited by ordinary generation and having Adam as a father. And he also dealt with the guilt that we have by virtue of Adam representing us. And so the corrupt nature, when we come, when, when we're regenerated, when we're reborn, right? When the Holy Spirit gives us life in Christ and we're united to him, we are made holy. The corrupt nature is changed. Right? We 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 could go to passages like Romans six, six. Our old self was crucified with him. The old self crucified with him that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Okay, so that, that, that corrupt nature is dealt with in Jesus. And then also the guilt. And how is the guilt dealt with? Well, what declaration do we receive when we are in Christ? No condemnation now I dread, right? No condemnation declared not guilty. Adam imputes to you guilty. Jesus imputes to you not guilty. This is what justification is, right? And so we're sanctified and we're justified in Christ Jesus, dealing with both the corrupt nature and the guilt that we were imputed. We're justified, Um, Romans 4, 5. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Not guilty, righteous. The declaration is made. So God is the one who justifies the ungodly. Calvin says, here then is the relationship between the two. Adam implicating us in his ruin destroyed us with himself, but Christ restores us by his grace. And these two men vie for lives. All right, so what? So what? There's a lot of theology, right? One, it should should make you thankful. Thankful to have faith in Jesus, the faith that justifies, right? The faith that corrects what your father Adam gave to you. But think about this. Here are a few applications. All are dead in Adam. All. Right? One of, the, one of the aspects of federal headship is the fact that mankind is dead and fallen in Adam. Does that help you make sense of this world? Right? Everybody is strapped, weighed down. With the death that they received from Adam. Your teachers are. Your parents are. Right? Your friends are. Isis is. The president. The most virtuous pagan you can think of. Strapped with Adam's. Death. Sin. And the judgment of God against that person of guilty. Does that. It helps me make sense of this world, right? It helps me make sense. Second, the church, think of this, the church, all God's elect are alive in Christ. He is called the head of the church. He represents his people, his elect people, the church. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So so Jesus represents his elect people, elect before the foundation of the world. Three, Jesus is head of all in the sense that he created them. Right, There is a sense in which we're naturally gods, although it's different from Adam, Adam being the progenitor, but he created us. But he's head of the elect in a different way as the redeemer, justifier, savior of his people. And so this this helps us make sense of the necessity of Jesus becoming a man, doesn't it? If a man broke things, a man has to fix what's broken. And Jesus, the man did so the second Adam the second man and so he had to do what Adam did not fourth it should push you to come to Christ you've got a problem if you stay in Adam you've got a damnable problem because God has pronounced you guilty and that judgment can only change if your faith is reckoned to you as righteousness and God says not guilty and there's only one, one way, right? and that's through faith in Christ. So come to him. Submit to him as your head, or you will remain forever connected to that first Adam, and only to that first Adam. Fifth, a, a practical implication of this is that representative headship Little representative headships happen all over the place. When you have responsibility, your actions will affect those you have responsibility for, no matter how insignificant those responsibilities are. Right? Your headship will affect those. And how you go will dictate how those who are following you go. Just remember that. Um, if you reject federalism, what are the implications? If you reject federalism, if you're a Pelagian, what, what is an implication of that for your salvation? You control it? Absolutely. Not only do you control it, but you better get to work. <laughs> you better get to work. There's no imputation. There's nothing. There's there's no one working on your behalf. There's only you working on your own behalf, trying to overcome what they deny, which is this guilty verdict. And so if you reject federalism, if you reject this representative headship, better get to work pleasing God. You're on the quest of your life. It's not by faith that you'll be justified. It's by your works that you'll be justified in the sight of God. Seventh, Jesus is not merely an example. That that is sentimentalism. He is not just in the, you know, the, the what would Jesus do movement is not fully Christian. I mean, of course we ask ourselves that, but what would Jesus do is about that thin in a view of of the greater question of what did Jesus do, right? What did he do? Think of what he overcame. Think of what he did in offering himself to to placate the Father. He's the covenant-keeping God-man, writing cosmic treason committed by the first Adam. He's not the dude that we just like put a bracelet on and ask, "Well, what would he do if he had books that were overdue?" Right? Eight, think of the power of Jesus and his indwelling spirit. if all if all are blind. And agonizing under the sin of Adam. The church and her redeemed people should stand out. The church should be, is, not should be, is salt and light. The church is those who who have been raised from death to life. That have had the, the... you know, the scales removed that, that are no longer blind, that are alive to God and real reality. And so, you know, the church should exhibit extraordinary obedience and fruitfulness and, and real knowledge, real holiness. We should, have, you know, we should be demonstrating enlightened minds. We should be showing people that we're pleasers of God. That we're lovers of neighbors. That that we we are those who lay down their lives for others. Martyrdom should be fathomable, right? Faithfulness in the midst of persecution. You know that the. The radical changes that come about in being united to the second Adam. And so the second Adam conquered and we are now described as more than conquerors in him. And so finally, the last thing I have is what what Dr. Hollis said. Praise God, there is now therefore no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, united to him, represented by him, having his righteousness imputed to them, his Holy Spirit indwelling them, which is, is at work, making them holy to the praise and glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for this glorious doctrine. Thank you for the reality of Jesus Representing us after Adam did so poorly, cosmically bad. Bringing death into this world. Bringing the corrupt flesh and the guilt of sin. And now in Jesus, those things have been removed. We, our flesh is being renewed our natures are being changed. Father, our, our, our guiltiness is completely removed by a new verdict, not guilty. And Father, we rejoice. We rejoice that we are in Jesus, that we are united to Him, that we are part of His body. And Father, I pray that we would we would exhibit the character of those who have been redeemed by Jesus and who are living in the second Adam. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.